Put that back. It's great when you're teaching a lesson about technology and it doesn't work. That's okay. I have a backup. And to answer your question, no, it is not 649. And no, the lesson will not be 6 minutes and 49 seconds. It is the number of hours that people in the world, not in the world, not at the church, universally, say it that way, that is the amount of time people spend online daily. Six hours and 49 minutes. Now, when you get into younger people, um, that, uh, uh, and, and just cut, uh, cut it to where it's only younger people, that is a much higher number. It's closer to nine hours a day. That doesn't include using technology in school online. Six hours and 49 minutes. When you look at the state of the world and and, and the interconnectivity that we have in our world today, there are 22 billion devices. In fact, it was just a few years ago that they uh, uh, projected us to get to 22 billion devices in 2025. We hit this number last year. And by 2025, the new projection is 75 billion devices in the world connected to the internet. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> Just in our network alone tonight, I checked it right before getting up here, um, and some of you need to stop playing solitaire. Uh, I, I can't really see that, but please don't. Um, there are over a hundred devices just on, on the network. That doesn't involve anybody's uh, phone that is not connected uh, to the church network. We are an interconnected world. When we start talking about social media, there are 5.1 billion people using their phones to connect online, using their phones to, to, to get online. But as far as social media is concerned, there are three billion, five hundred million. I hope that's the right number. Uh, Mathematically, those who like to do math, I didn't want to type billion, so I did that. Monthly users on social media. That means active. That means people are actually getting on, checking something, and either posting or or even just uh, logging in to, to see what other people have done. When we talk about social media, um, there are online, anybody who uses social media, uh, two hours and 16 minutes per day. You have 92% of those online people watching videos. Um, it is absolutely fantastic, the amount of people, and not, not fantastic in a good way, because that's just a lot of time, isn't it, to spend online six hours and 48 minutes a day. Uh, in fact, it has gotten to the point where uh, uh, mobile devices have warnings, and if you reach a certain limit, it will automatically turn you off uh, of, of the social media interactions. Uh, when we look at, at, at devices, in fact, my uh, phone tells me uh, every morning at 9.30, right when Bible class starts, which is perfect because I ignore it, 
how much time I spent the previous week online. Sometimes that's sad when we start looking at those numbers, when we start seeing those calculations. When we talk about being connected, the, the world is more connected now, technologically speaking, uh, uh, reaching out toward one another than any other time. But it really does seem that even though we are more connected than ever with those next to us online, it seems like we are fractured, disjointed, separated, and disconnected. Doesn't it ever just kind of feel like that sometimes? Uh, if you know, ever want to feel that way, just turn on the news and watch for five minutes. And you will feel separated, disjointed, and apart from all the chaos that's going on in the world. Add on top of that how busy we are as people. Busyness is the new business. We are so busy going from 9 to 5 working and then having between 10 minutes and an hour and a half drive because of traffic uh, uh, just to get home and to get dinner ready and then you have all these other obligations. We're busy. And not just busy as individuals, we are busy as a congregation. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I decided to get with Karen in the office and connect the uh, uh, calendars that she puts together with my calendars. And the next day I turned them off uh, because it was sending me reminders every day of something that was coming up. And I said, I'm not doing that. That's not me. Uh, But all of the different things that we do, whether it be ladies' days or ladies' Bible classes or men's Bible classes or all the things that go on at the school, we are a busy congregation. Keep this idea of being busy and feeling disconnected. Do you sometimes feel disconnected? Just a little bit? You're asleep, that's one thing, that's one way to be disconnected. <laughs> I, it, it seems like some of us sometimes just feel a little disconnected from others. Keeping that in mind, turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians is a fascinating book where Paul is in prison when he writes this letter. And as he writes to the Philippians... It is a letter that is full of joy, full of hope, and, 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 and full of pleas for unity. You'll, you'll see a repeated concept in the book about partnership or fellowship uh, uh, being joined together in uh, the book of Philippians. And yet this letter that Paul writes from prison being so full of joy and hope, uh, it, it, it is very different than, than other letters that he has written. See, Paul has written letters to uh, people like the Galatians, one of his most stern letters, because they had so soon turned away from the gospel of Christ. But Philippians doesn't have that kind of sternness to it. It's not like the Colossians where Paul has to deal with this Colossian heresy of people turning away from Christ or mixing Christ with some additional kind of religious belief. 
He doesn't have to deal with the moral issues that he had to deal with when he wrote to Corinth and when he worked with them. No, Philippians is an incredibly different letter, one of the most, if not the most, encouraging, full of tenderness and care and and a sweet place in Paul's heart uh, for them. And everything seems great until you get to chapter 4. Chapter 4, just a couple of verses have, have just a very interesting, quick little point of reference for Paul. In verse 1, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, this is verse 1, standing firm thus in the Lord, my beloved, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And then he gets back to this rejoicing, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. He has just this little couple of verses mentioning, hey, Syntyche, hey, Euodia, agree in the Lord. And he reminds them of, of, of their past work with Paul being fellow laborers who've done a lot of good works. And not just them, but they were fellow laborers with others whose names are written in the book of life. But it's really interesting that Paul takes the time as as he's uh, uh, approaching this whole congregation in this letter to single it down to the two people. Paul, don't we all need to agree in the Lord? Absolutely. But there seems like a problem has been festering between these two women. And in fact... When you look at the book of Philippians, everything beforehand lays a foundation for when Paul addresses these two women, for them to be thinking about the things that Paul has been speaking about, it should have been an immediate change. And hopefully it was. This is not the first time Paul brings up the idea of unity in the book. Look back at chapter 1. See, Paul, in chapter 1 and verse 3, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership or fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers, fellowshippers with me of grace." both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
He says, you are partakers uh, with me in the gospel and in my imprisonments and in my chains. Jump down to verse 27. Only let your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear, you, hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You have this unity that's mentioned in chapter 2. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Over and over again, there is this, this bond, this connection that they are all supposed to be together in whatever it is that he's talking about. In fact, four times he gives a very specific command. From chapter 1 and verse 27 all the way... Uh, to chapter 2 and verse 12. Chapter 1 and verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Chapter 2 and verse 5, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is as in my presence, but much more as in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have four commands given in this section, and that's what we're going to look at tonight, four foundational commands for us to effectively and successfully be connected. Look at this first one. The command to live a worthy life. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. It is a life that is worthy for a very specific purpose. One that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And how humbling it is just to think about that. How could I live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ? Of the one who died for us. And in fact, when you, when, when you read this section, this, this standing fast in one spirit, uh, so that whether, he says, whether I come uh, or, or, or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, unified together, with one mind, unified together, striving side by side, or striving together. For the faith of the gospel, the type of unity that Paul wants the people uh, in Philippi to have is one that is so powerful that when they are unified, others see it. Others hear about it. And it is an expression, it is an example of the destruction of the enemies of Christ. 
Because the enemies of Christ that Paul speaks of a few times in here, they don't want the gospel to spread. They don't want the people of God to be unified. In fact, when Paul was in prison, there are certain people that are mocking him because he's in prison. And the hope is that now the gospel can be stopped. Now it can be restrained. But in fact, Paul says it hasn't restrained it at all. He would say that my imprisonment has served to advance the gospel. His chains had served as a way to get the gospel into Caesar's household so that the whole Praetorian Guard would hear the gospel. They would know that the reason Paul is in chains is because of Christ. Paul says, I want you to be connected together. And live in such a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because the result, God wins. God wins. In fact, he says, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. And that from God. He has already spoken to the idea that uh, his prayer for them is that they would be filled uh, with, uh, that, that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that they may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. They are to live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And their blessing is twofold in our text. It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, so you have just that blessing of having that that faith in him and that trust in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Wouldn't some people in the book of Acts praise God because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ? And you can imagine Paul, for those who've been able to be in the, uh, the Second Corinthians uh, uh, class, all of the things that Paul had gone through, all of the fighting and the frustration and the difficulties and the people attacking him, and the fact that Paul really did have a, have a good world from, by worldly standards, he had a good life before Christianity. But for the Corinthians, he shows that it's not worthy to be compared to what's in Christ. He, he has all of the pedigree, but there's something more he has. The grace of Christ. Uh, to the Philippians, Paul will eventually say that, that he casts everything aside... Not that he has already obtained or am already perfect, but he presses on to make it my own. He's speaking of the resurrection from the dead because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Over and over again, Paul would reiterate that for him, life is Christ. In fact, we've skipped over it, but Philippians 1 says to live is Christ and to die is gain. You think about that. Paul's sacrifice isn't Dying to be with Christ, his sacrifice is living for the sake of the Philippians because it would be more beneficial to them that he continue to help them. Living a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And they are also engaged 
verse 30, in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. They are able to help Paul because of that suffering. How do you live? Uh, how, how, how do we have this connected life, this one that is connected to each other and connected to God? He says, live a worthy life. But he also says that our life is to be something that gives him joy. That's kind of a strange command for somebody to say, make me happy. We don't usually tell people to do that unless we're kind of just goofing around. But what Paul says, verse 1 of chapter 2, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. How? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Lead each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He gives this really big if-then kind of phrase. If there's any encouragement in Christ, and and the answer is, yeah, obviously there is. There is encouragement in Christ. Christ himself would say, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. He would say, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Any comfort from love? Do we find any comfort from love in Christ? The fact that we have this participation because of what Christ has done for us, if there's any affection and sympathy, what kind of affection and sympathy is found in the church? He says, if these things are there, which it is, He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Continue on with it. Having the same love, being of full accord, and having this one unified mind and and, and, and purpose. Being in harmony with each other. Do you see how this preps the way for chapter 4? He continues on negatively, do nothing from selfish ambition. Don't do anything from conceit. But think of others as more significant as yourselves. Esteem others higher than yourselves. Paul's in prison. And he's not asking for freedom. He's not requesting a coat. He will later in a different time in his life. But what he requests of the Philippians is, and, and, and what he commands is live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. And then he expresses that mind in probably the most well-known passage in in the book of Philippians in one of the most beautiful sections of the Bible on what it truly means to have this humble mind. Have this mind among yourselves which not have. So, that's why I have backups. 
What does it mean to live the humble life? In fact, notice the connection that Paul uses here. Uh, he, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition in verse 3 or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Paul, how can you ever tell us to count others more significant than, than ourselves? Shouldn't we look to our own interests? Paul says, look to your own interests and also to the interests of others. But how do you have this mind that considers others more significant? Have the mind in you that's also in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or robbed or tightly held on to. Instead of tightly holding on to all of those rights and those privileges that Jesus had, he let them go. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How do you count others as more significant than yourselves? And Paul's answer is, isn't that exactly what Jesus did? In leaving everything he had to come to earth to suffer and die for us and to carry the weight of sin. And because of everything that he has done, we now have an incredible statement 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But you see, Jesus humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death on the cross, and God has lifted him up. And the result is the same as is Paul's prayer for the Philippians that, uh, that, his, that their growth and their living would result to the glory and praise of God. With everything that has happened with Christ and his name being lifted higher than every other name, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Live a worthy life. Live a life that is joy producing in others. Live a humble life. And live a responsive life. In verse 12, Paul would say, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He says you work out while God works in. You do something with what you have been given. And in fact, Paul would go on, to say, uh, go on to say, do all things without grumbling or disputing. 
that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation as whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. And this is the third time, by the way, or uh, maybe fourth time that he says, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But notice what Paul says in verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Live a life worthy of the gospel. Live a life that is joy-producing in others. Live a life that is responsive to everything that has been done for you, that is responsive to that every knee should bow. And Paul uses the supreme example of humility as for what we should strive for. But he's not done. He says that he himself is willing to be sacrificed for their faith, poured out as a drink offering for them. In the rest of the chapter, he would go on to speak about Timothy, how he has nobody who is like-minded, who is, who is concerned with the Philippians and their welfare as young Timothy. He would speak of Epaphroditus who for the sake of the gospel almost died and he is concerned about the Philippians because the Philippians are worried about him. How do we live this life that is so connected as the Philippians? This like-mindedness, this, this being together. One that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Philippians should be studied quite a bit more with a connection to this. No pun intended. Being connected... As Christians, it can be difficult with all of the frustrations and 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 pressures and 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 uh, responsibilities with work and with others in our own single individualized little places. But even Paul in prison says we have a connection to the Philippians. Paul says, and the Philippians have this. manner of life this joy filled and joy responding life and this humble life that reaches out toward their brothers and sisters and toward anybody that they can what a phenomenal idea And now here's the question. What does 22 billion electronic devices and 5.1 billion online things have to do with being connected? 
There has been, over the past several months, uh, an, an, an encouragement from the leadership here, from the elders, to, to become more connected. Uh, we've seen great response and examples with uh, things like the evangelism project and, and those involved in that. Um, it's encouraging to see what's going on. Uh, uh, recently we announced that we have a new website. Uh, in fact, um, if you haven't been on there, I'm just getting really practical for just a second. If you haven't been on there, go and take a look at it. It's got some uh, unique features that we did not have before. For example, uh, the lessons that are recorded uh, now appear on iTunes, on Google Play, and on Spotify. Uh, the top three media players uh, in the world. Uh, there are sections for various things like camps uh, where people can sign up and, and, and get everything uh, in order and prepared for camps. Uh, we'll be putting more stuff about uh, all of the ladies' works very soon uh, on the site to encourage that effort. There are calendars that will be getting more and more information. But also, this is connected to our biggest social media platform, Facebook. In the past month that we've switched this over, um, our um, statistics have gone through the roof. We have one where people are engaged. That means people interacting with whatever we put up uh, is over a thousand percent increase from the month before. Uh, we are having 300 percent increases uh, in people pushing the like or share button. It is phenomenal what we're seeing as far as reaching out to people uh, with this, this type of platform. There's a neat little tool uh, on Facebook that you can do when you're trying to put a post out and reach a certain amount of people, you know, like maybe saying, hey, we're having a friends and family day here or something like that. But you can design it to where that reach will go to a certain perimeter around the building. And in one mile because of all the algorithms and Facebook sees everything you do, in one mile, the estimation is that 41,000 people will see the message. Two miles, it's 81,000. And it goes substantially up after that. Just take a map, draw a circle one mile out from the building, and the potential reach is 41,000 people. Wow. Now those 41,000 people, what kind of life do you want them to see at this congregation? We are a small drop in a very big pond. But what if that hits somebody whose heart is interested in the gospel of Christ? The other thing that we've been kind of um, mentioning is a program called Lightpost, and it is built by a member of the church, a deacon uh, at a congregation actually that supports the school now. And it's called Light Post, and, and, and the whole idea is to simplify things for, for all of the different stuff that we have going on so that we can be more connected together spiritually. 
And just a couple things with this idea of light post, which we'll be talking about more and giving instructions more, but wanted to give this introduction to it tonight. It has an app. It can also be reached online for those who do not have a smartphone. But what it does is it gives you all that stuff that's in that directory. It gives you access to that. It is behind a password uh, for each individual. It's very safe. We make sure uh, uh, that nobody else can get in except for members here. Um, uh, All of that is uh, very carefully watched. But it's a way for you to see if you need to make a call or send a message Um, or a note of encouragement, it makes that much simpler uh, than what we've had in the past. But beyond that, uh, it does have involvement forms uh, uh, like we've had in the past where you can select the different things that you may be willing to do, uh, everything from uh, song leading to mowing the yard. Um, And those who are in charge of those different ministries of those different areas. When you sign up, it lets them know and they can see and pool all the resources together uh, from everything that we do. It has different features like the uh, prayer list, uh, which we update constantly, will now be accessible uh, on here as well as on the site as it has been in the past. It helps with communication on trips when the youth are going to different places to make sure everybody, all of the adults know what's going on and and, and where everybody is. It helps to see who is here uh, and who isn't. Uh, One of the uh, most difficult jobs in the congregation, I've found out uh, simply by watching, because I don't do it, is um, filling out the member card. And it's difficult because the elders want to make sure that we didn't miss anyone. That somebody was sick and didn't say something, or somebody was gone and we didn't know. Or somebody was hurting and we forgot. And it's amazing that just writing your name on a card like that helps them to see who's here and who's not and what's going on in everybody's life. And when we don't, and like I said, I'm, I'm really bad at it because I typically don't fill those out. That means that the one who has to, I'm not going to say who it is, it's easy to figure out, but the one who has to figure out if you are here or not, it's all about connection. This is something that will help facilitate that as well. There's probably about 40 other things I could talk about just with this. Um, but the whole idea is to be better connected. It's to be joined together. It's so that we can stand side by side for the gospel of Christ. So that we can work to build up each other. So that we can glorify God. Now, when we talk about being connected, it is all because of what Jesus has done for us. And it is because of that participation that we have 
that we are unified. And the question I want to leave you with tonight is, how connected are you? And are you connected? If we can help you to become a part of the body of Christ in obedience to the gospel, we would love to do so. If we can help you and pray for you, we would love to do so. But you need to connect with us so we can. Let's stand and sing.